Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices and instead look for the processes and the questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Angela Brown, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader at Niche, and today I'll be speaking with Andrea Gribble. Andrea is the owner of Social School for EDU, and her passion is helping schools recognize their daily awesomeness and sharing that story with the world. She's built a team that celebrates hundreds of schools across the country. Social School for EDU provides full social media management, offers an intensive social media bootcamp, and runs a vibrant online community that provides ongoing professional development for school social media champions. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. I'm so excited to be here. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. So speaking of, today we're going to talk social media resolutions for schools in 2022. And I cannot wait to get into that. I've been really excited about this episode. But first, of course, I must ask two questions we ask every one of our guests, starting with, what is something you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? Well, I'm trying new things every day. With social media, there's always some new trick or change that Facebook does or kind of concept. So I literally am failing all the time. But kind of my newest thing that I have really tried with some of the schools that we serve is Instagram Reels. So Facebook Reels, of course, has come out now as well. Um, It's kind of TikTok for Instagram and Facebook. But I... My very first post that I did for a school page on Instagram Reels reached over 4,500 people. And that was on a page with just 750 like followers, right? So it was huge. And then I did another video, a second video that I spent a whole bunch of time on. It was homecoming videos and it was time to the music and all of that. And Angela, it reached 644. So I was like, that's such a failure, right? Like I almost, in some cases, when you do things on social media, I don't know about you, but you're, you're, you, you almost want to delete it because you're like, oh my gosh, something wrong. But you, you realize that every time you try something, you are learning. And so, you know, that's kind of my, my last thing that, you know, failure. And and I just did one the other day, uh, just yesterday, actually uh, posted another reel that has only reached a couple hundred people where some of them have reached 20,000. So it's, it's really challenging, but you can kind of expect that some things are going to hit and some things aren't. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. I think one of the things that can be really hard for us as marketers is to recognize that not everything is going to work, but that shouldn't stop you from experimenting or, from trying new things. The part of being able to move forward and really up your game as a marketer is a willingness to accept that something's not working and that's okay. I, I really love that. It's a great perspective. Right. You either you either win or you learn, right? Like that's that's the thing. It's not really failing. You just you learn something that didn't work and then hopefully you can apply it to something you do in the future. So So our next question is, what practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? With social media and schools, you know, specifically, and and I, of course, serve 
schools all over. So I'm getting ideas by following schools and listening to struggles and, and trying to react. But just in regards to bringing new ideas to what we can do for schools, I, I love to listen to podcasts. <laughs> so we're in a good spot. Um, I've got a podcast of my own that I, I love to, to chat with people on, but I listen to, you know, marketing podcasts, like from Social Media Examiner and, you know, things that are really examining some trends. And then I'm always trying to apply it to, okay, how does this work with schools? But I love in regards to, you know, marketing and social storytelling through social media for schools is just following other schools. Because yes, we're in some cases competing, but there's a lot of ideas that we can grab from schools across the country that we can then incorporate into our own school district or, or, or school system. And so I think that's really powerful. And another thing that I just like to do is just participate in some Facebook groups with other social media managers. And again, just really listening to what's working and then how I can apply it to, you know, my, my school or, or a school that we partner with. That's great advice, Andrea. And that's something I definitely did when I was in house. And actually I still do that today. I love following schools on social media and all the different segments that we serve at Niche and seeing what the differences are and what's working and what's not and getting ideas that I can share with our partners and with the people at schools that I talk to on a regular basis. So that's that's great. Are there other podcasts that you would recommend that you listen to personally? There's a lot of podcasts now coming out specifically for schools. So School PR Happy Hour, my, my podcast is Mastering Social Media for Schools. I think North Carolina has put one out, I like School PR Drive Time. So, so those are a few that are specific for school related. But then, you know, I even get, get ideas from like, I love Pat Flynn at the Smart Passive Income podcast. And some of that, you know, more applies maybe to the entrepreneurial side of my business versus just the social media side. But even like Amy Porterfield's Online Marketing Made Easy, she has a lot of concepts as well. And again, the, sometimes the content is more focused up around like businesses using it, but you can totally apply some of those same things to schools. And so I think that's really powerful to get some ideas there and then pull them back to, okay, how could we work this into maximizing our reach for our school? That's great. I love that. I love that. Okay. So now we're going to get into our resolutions and we're going to talk both about things that schools can start doing in 2022 and things to stop doing, which I think we agree are equally important. I am a big advocate for taking things off your plate when you can. So we're going to do some red lights and green lights here. So I'll be sharing the resolutions and then Andrea is going to chime in with her tips for our listeners. And we'll also have some links in the show notes for this episode to some blog posts that she's written that take a deeper dive into some of these resolutions. So let's go ahead and get started with resolution number one. Start doing Instagram and Facebook Reels. So Andrea, let's talk more about that one. 
Yeah, well, I, I shared in the intro, that's some of the failures, but it's also been some of the big successes. And we've seen schools across the country really start to grab onto this short form video content that is was inspired by TikTok, right? So instead of, and you may be thinking like, I need to start a TikTok channel, maybe you do, and maybe if you have the capacity, but if you already have an audience on Instagram and Facebook, why not tap into those reels and use them? What you're going to do, Angela, is you're going to get exposed to new followers, new people because of the way that the algorithms work and things for the Instagram reels and Facebook reels. All of a sudden it's showing your content to potentially thousands of people that could then become followers of your content that look at your Instagram stories, that look at your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed. In most cases, those things that you hopefully are doing for your school are really seen by your followers. It's not really meant to like expand the reach beyond that. You're not going to, to, to reach a lot of people. So, so that's why it's critical. And I've, I've especially seen some big growth, big reach numbers in Instagram. I mean, in many cases, we want we want those followers, but what really matters, Angela, is the reach. Like, how many impressions are we getting? And what I've seen, and this is just data from last month uh, from the school that I do in Little New Auburn, Wisconsin, usually our reach on a monthly basis for Instagram almost matches our followers. So we're only reaching about 750, 800 people. Last month, I 16X'd it, not 10X'd it. I, I reached over 16,000 people. And it is, it's specifically because of Instagram Reels. Now, I'm not going to promise that all of those, you know, viewers turn into fans or followers, but you are increasing that exposure. And so that's a good number to be able to come back and share with your leadership team, with your staff of, oh my gosh, we're celebrating our students and staff in front of a bigger audience. And there are so many different ideas. You, you may be thinking, okay, Instagram Reels or Facebook Reels is just about dance routines. Um, no, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. You can definitely share activities and things that are going on at your schools. It can be videos and photo montages. You use trending music and there's a lot that goes into kind of learning it. But I can say personally, I was scared when I got started, Angela, because I get nervous just like everybody else. Um, but once you try it, you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't that hard. And we specifically have a, a blog to link the how to use Instagram Reels for your school, which will show you dozens of examples from other schools so that you can get a really clear picture of, okay, I could try this. And then I can almost guarantee that your first Reel, Angela, is going to get a big reach because I think Instagram's really trying to encourage folks to try this. And so they give you a little bump on your first one. So don't be, don't be ashamed if your second one doesn't reach as many, but you got to keep trying around, trying it. I really do think this is going to be worth it in 2022. Now, there's a lot of really good stuff in what you just said. For one, I think it's a great reminder of the importance of looking at your data and actually seeing what your reach looks like. So you can gauge that before and after. And what's really cool about Reels is that it actually mimics what's great about TikTok, which is that reach. That's one of the most powerful things about TikTok as a channel is that the reach is just unbelievable compared to 
what you see in standard posts on a Facebook or an Instagram, for example. And so if you're really looking to replicate that reach and to expose your school's content to people who might not otherwise see it, this is a really great way to do that without adopting a new channel, right? Without adding to your plate, which is huge. Exactly. And if you're overwhelmed by the by the thought of it, get students involved. Get a staff member that likes to do it involved. Um, it doesn't all have to fall on your plate as the marketing or communications person, but, but definitely try it out in 2022. Now, Andrea, the second resolution, and I really love this one, is to stop doing information-only posts. So why don't we unpack that a little bit? Tell us what you mean by that and maybe some things that schools can try instead. Yeah, well, in 2021 and even 2020, I mean, it's been challenging with social media and the negativity that can show up on your pages. We want to be transparent as communicators, right? And we want to be able to get information out. But we found that there's some posts that don't do as well and they don't reach everybody anyways. And so, you know, your social media pages aren't necessarily a bulletin board of what's coming up for your school or, you know, what's happening or decisions that are being made. And we especially think about this with masks or, or what learning exactly looks like. So, because those things don't get as much engagement, they're not going to get as much reach. And social media is really meant to be social and to be able to celebrate the things that are happening. So I just really think that you need to understand who your audience is for the information that you're trying to share. And you've got a lot of tools in your communication toolbox beyond social media. Everybody thinks about social media first, like we got to get it on social media. But you have your website, you have direct communication, you have phone calls, you have your newsletter, you know, and, and the list goes on and on of ways that you can communicate things out. So I think that it's really critical that we start saying no to some of those informational only type things that aren't going to get a lot of reach anyways and think of other ways that we can put that information out and keep the social media posts to what's actually happening. You know, everybody wants, hey, don't forget to remind people about this fundraiser coming up. Well, hey, guess what? When the fundraiser actually happens, will you please send me pictures so that I can celebrate that on social media? And so that is, that's really critical. And, and, and again, the reason is, is because your posts don't reach everybody on social media anyways. You are lucky right now on Facebook to reach like a third of your followers with even engaging posts. And so with informational only posts, I mean, if you have 2000 followers, that post might only reach a couple hundred people. And it actually brings the algorithm and the reach of other posts down if you post a lot of that information. So does that help kind of explain it? I think it helps a lot. And it actually reminds me of something that you posted earlier in the school year about the difference between posting to celebrate things about your school on social media versus using social media for for information. And this was what a lot of schools were doing at, at that time. And it's it's really tough for families when you're posting information about everything from busing to curricular updates to masking requirements and just some of these logistical items about starting the school year. And it's hard when you're just trying to convey that information and make sure that people see it. 
And I think that before the pandemic, social media became another default channel for for people to use that type of content. But to your point, that's where, you know, if you're conveying something that's very technical or logistical, email is probably a better channel for that. And then reserving your social channels to really celebrate the incredible things that are happening in your community and to remind people about all of the things that they love about your school, about your district, at a time that's really hard for everyone is really important. Yeah. And and it's when, when the pandemic hit, Angela, we were looking for any way possible to get information out. So I totally understand that. But it's been, we've come a long way. And we got to remember social media is meant to be social. So if you are making a statement or an announcement that you don't, that it's a decision that's been made, you're not looking for input, then you probably shouldn't put it out there because you all of a sudden are opening yourself up to the entire universe to have an opinion about what's happening at your school. And so all of a sudden you're going to spend time and energy and resources on addressing people that are not even connected to your community, to your school, to your students, to your families. That's not fair to you as a school communicator, a marketer. So, so you've really got to be careful there. And so I think that's, that's important. We, we do have another, just a, an article that might be helpful to share, like with your leadership team, maybe your school board or school council, just because some of them might not, you know, they might still want to put everything out there. That's got some reasons why maybe it makes sense not to. So. Right. That's great. I love that. And that's actually a great segue into our third resolution, which is to start telling real stories about students and staff. So what do you mean by that, Andrea? Well, there are powerful stories to be told in our schools. And uh, sometimes we get overwhelmed with the word stories. And I mean, I love the the daily updates of what's happening in the classroom, all of the classroom, like all of these accomplishments and things like that. But there are real stories to dig into that ha- that tug on the heartstrings a little bit, that give people a deeper connection to the, the students and the staff members that make up your school district. You, you're not just a building. You know, you are made up of these amazing humans that are doing spectacular things, that have faced challenging circumstances, obstacles. They've had amazing triumphs. And there's ways to tell those stories in a short form or longer form. And we've seen a lot of success with this. So, you know, for for a few examples, we recently had a, a classmate of my daughter's that just went through her last chemo round after a fight with leukemia. And she's got an amazing story. The community really rallied around her to raise funds and things as she started her battle. And now she she's kind of coming out on the other side. So, you know, making sure to tell that story. We have uh, another school that had a story of a little kindergartner who actually lost most of her arm in in a horrible accident. And she has a prosthetic that she was very nervous about wearing to school. And with the encouragement and help from her friends at school, her teacher, she finally decided to wear it to school. And so we had some amazing pictures. And what, like I get a little bit emotional, like 
what what lessons these kids can teach us as adults in life are just amazing. And so anyways, just the cutest, cutest story there in regards to her being able to bring Ariel. She named her prosthetic Ariel. Yeah. And she was able to, to play with her friends. Two other stories of, you know, a, a, a blind student at a school in Ohio that was learning how to read music in Braille. And it was only because we kind of challenged some of these school communicators to go out and ask for these stories because we know they're there if we just go and look for them. And because they were kind of pushed out of their comfort zone to look for them, then they uncovered these stories. And I'm not saying, Angela, that you have to do that on a daily or an even a weekly basis. But if we can start telling those stories on a monthly basis where they're just a little bit deeper, those ties get into look at these amazing, you know, students and their stories about staff members as well that have done amazing things, you know, for, for each other, for the community and all of that. Let's, let's dig in and find some of those stories in 2022 so we can share those. And some of that requires maybe a little bit more approval from families. Like if you're sharing some kind of an obstacle or disability or, you know, challenge, you, you might have to get some additional approval before you share a story like that. So it does take some time, but I can tell you it is totally, totally worth it. Yeah, that's amazing. Those are great, great examples. So our next resolution, number four, and we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, about the importance of taking things off of our plates as marketers. This resolution is to stop managing too many social media channels. I love this one. So let's get into this. Well, yeah, I think it can be really overwhelming because we think we have to be everywhere for everybody, for every form, and it's got to be to totally different in each space and customized and the fact is a lot of people are solo shops or they're not even a complete like social media manager communications person they're actually a media specialist that has social media thrown onto their plate or a principal trying to do both things and so i think the the number one thing that people are still struggling with is trying to do too many social channels so i really recommend taking a look at where is the biggest bang for your buck or, you know, the, the biggest reach for the time that you spend. In most schools, Angela, that's Facebook. Um, it just is. And, and, and that's where your families are. That's where your community is, um, even your staff. So you might want to look at, okay, who am I trying to reach? Where are they hanging out? Really focusing in on that. Because for example, Angela, okay, I live, if you haven't been able to tell already, I live in Wisconsin and in Minnesota. I'm a little bit in both places, but I have that strong accent. Up here, Twitter isn't as big. I've been doing Twitter for my little school district in New Auburn, Wisconsin for eight years, and we don't even have 200 followers. So guess what? I'm still putting a couple posts a week, but I'm not doing four tweets a day out there because to who? You know, it doesn't make sense. So I just, I, I really love Facebook for families. I really like Instagram for your students and to be able to connect there. But, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Pinterest. I mean, there's just all these YouTube, your YouTube channel. There's all these channels to be. I really want you in 2022 to, to look at what you're managing, the hours that you have in the day and really devote your time to the ones that matter the most 
and maybe for a while you just say, hey, Twitter, like, hey, this this account isn't actively being updated. If you want, you know, updates from our awesome school, check us out on Facebook and Instagram and maybe give some links there and give yourself some grace because we, I mean, I can't, I do social media for a living, okay? And I cannot be an expert on all of the different platforms. I just can't. There's just, there's just not enough time in the day, so... Yeah, and and there are too many of them. I really like the idea of using an account to refer people to other places where you might be more active. Because I think what happens sometimes is, you know, I see questions all the time where it's like, well, we just need to have an account so no one takes our name, you know, that sort of thing. We just need to hang a shingle so nobody hijacks it and uses it for the wrong thing. And so, there is a way to do that without having to actively post and maintain and measure a separate account. One of the things that I talk about a lot is that if you're using social media correctly, it's just not about churning out content, but you have to continuously measure and evaluate it. And so you want to make sure that you're posting the right content and that you're truly serving your audience and meeting your goals. And I think that gets lost when people are scrambling to keep creating accounts for every sports team or club or other school activity. The other piece is there are the channels and then there are all of the individual account requests that tend to come up too, right? So that's that's really great advice. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. And just a side note, in your area, Twitter might be awesome and might be one of your biggest channels. So I'm not knocking Twitter at all. I think it can be a great platform. And by the way, Twitter is a spot where you don't get as much drama as you do over on like a Facebook or even an Instagram. Like, so there's, there's some advantages and disadvantages to all of the platforms, but just know your community and just really take note of what you should be focusing on. Um, now looking at our fifth resolution, it's to start batching your features ahead of time. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Tell us what that means and what folks should do. So really building out your social media strategy has to do with consistent storytelling. And the bulk of that is what's happening at school today. Like, let's get those stories out there. Let's continuously do that. But it really helps to have a backbone of some standard features or campaigns that help fill in content. So I'm talking about Throwback Thursdays, pictures of old yearbooks on Thursday mornings. I'm talking about a student feature, maybe some how students are nominated by a staff member. I'm talking about staff features, you know, maybe once or twice a week you're highlighting your different staff members and introducing them to who they are beyond the science teacher that they have a passion for you know, whatever. So you can do some of those feature type things. And what I recommend is spending a little bit of time batching those ahead of time so that not every week you're like, oh shoot, it's Friday. I got to do a staff feature. I need to put this graphic together and get this information from this staff member. So when I talk about batching, it's setting aside a certain amount of time. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's even 30 minutes distraction free. It's like, okay, I'm in the zone. I'm going to be working on, let's just say these, these staff features. So I'm going to be picking out, okay, which staff members do I, do I want to highlight in the next four weeks? I need to make sure to get their staff picture from the, you know, school directory or however you need to get that. I need to make the graphic and then I need to get that 
posts scheduled out however you're scheduling posts. Um, we schedule a lot of them just directly in, in Facebook Business Suite because we can put it out on Facebook and Instagram or whatever. But then you get a, a chunk of work done in a short amount of time. And then guess what, Angela? I don't have to worry about it for four more weeks. <laughs> it's the best feeling, you know, ever. And so, and some of those things take some time to set up. Throwback Thursdays for old, taking pictures of old yearbooks. I probably set one set of time uh, away with just taking pictures of yearbooks. So I'm going to spend like an hour going through 20 years of yearbooks and taking pictures with my, you know, phone of just other pictures that people might resonate with that show school pride or old technology or whatever. I'll take those for an hour. Then I'll spend a different hour actually saving those into a folder off my phone. And then I can start scheduling those out every Thursday morning. Facebook allows me to go 75 weeks ahead of time. So that's, that's about 10 weeks of content that I can then schedule out and then I don't have to worry about it. So I really think in 2022, if you guys can start batching some of those features ahead of time, it'll save you so much of your sanity and it'll save so much time in the long run. Yes, that's a that's a great time hack. And actually, you mentioned Facebook Business Manager. I was a huge fan of Creator Studio when I was in-house, but I know that's on its way out. So are there other tools that you might recommend for people who are looking to make scheduling easier? There's a lot out there and uh, many of them have a uh, payment to it, but you know, Hootsuite and Buffer and there's Planoly. I think that maybe is more geared towards Instagram. There's a lot of tools out there, but frankly, I use Facebook Creator Studio, I think is going away in 2022. I think they're going to be phasing that out. And isn't it funny, Angela, when it came out, I hated it. And now I like it because I'm used to it. You know, Facebook's always changing things. So I think they're more going, you know, heading everybody over to business suite. But but that's okay. You know, my best advice there is find something that works for you and then use it. And don't worry about what everybody else is using because you don't have to be a master of all of these different platforms. You just have to know what works for you. Yes. And there are some really great native options that Facebook offers that are free, you know, so I would say start there. And if those don't meet your needs, then you can ask the question about whether or not you need something that's a little bit more sophisticated or robust. Absolutely. So our next resolution, number six, is to stop posting on weekends and thinking everything has to be posted immediately. (laughs) Let's unpack that one. So when I started doing social media back in 2014, so I've been doing this every day of my life um, since, uh, since April of 2014, I used to carry my phone everywhere. I was like, oh my gosh, everything needs to be posted immediately. And it, that is not good for your mental health. It's not something that can be sustainable. And so really when you're thinking about your school's story and your social media content strategy, you're curating a story that's ongoing, but it's not like I'm having this for lunch today. Now, if some things need to be posted timely, like it's the homecoming parade, you probably want to post most of those things on that day. But in most cases, if they're doing some kind of an activity, it doesn't necessarily have to be posted the same exact day that it's being done. So giving yourself a little bit of grace in regards to that timeliness, yes, you want to post it generally close to and we're trying to post within you know a couple days of of an event happening in a classroom but knowing that it doesn't have to be posted immediately and then a big revelation was 
not posting so much on weekends. This is because your fans deserve a break. We have seen not as much engagement on weekends because guess what? People are busy and they're doing their, they're living their own life. And so let them do that. But you as the school social media manager, you deserve a break too. And although, although you can schedule things out. So if it was a Friday morning and I wanted to post things through the weekend, I could schedule them out on Friday and I'm not necessarily going in there two or three times over the weekend because I'm scheduling them out. However, you have to be ready to respond to new comments, right? And things, or you make a mistake. Like, have I made a mistake? Yes, I've made a mistake. I, I'm always making mistakes, right? Because we're human. So all of a sudden you've got the wrong date on something and somebody starts commenting about that. Now all of a sudden you got to break away from your weekend to fix something. I honestly think this is a huge one. And I have had social media managers that we work with um, in our membership group and, and beyond of like, oh my gosh, this has saved my sanity. Just this one simple thing of not posting on the weekend. So I want to give you permission to do that. Now, if you go to state and you're going to win a state championship on a Saturday night, well, goodness sakes, yes, you're going to post that, but that's an exception and that's not the rule. And so there are going to be times when, yes, you might need to, but I really want you to examine and look, look at your own pages. Are you getting a lot of engagement on the weekend? If not, don't try not posting that. Save it for the week, Monday through Friday. And uh, I, I think you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to see more engagement. And that's ultimately a win-win overall. Right. Right. That's great. That's perfect and really timely advice because I think people are even coming off of the winter break. Yes. They're, they're pretty fried right now. And so anything that that people can do to reduce burnout is extremely important. Now, our last resolution, number seven, is probably one of my favorites on the list because I have been beating this drum all year in webinars and conversations with different people, and that is to start doing more video because I have seen, and I don't know if you've seen this, Andrea, but video went from being the hot new thing to not really happening at all, and I'm not sure why that is. And I, I don't know if it's because people are feeling pressure or anxiety around these kind of high production videos or if they feel awkward being on camera or if it's an equipment issue. But I'd love to dig into that one and talk about why this is so important. Well, you can convey a lot through pictures and, and captions and things like that, but nothing replaces video. I mean, being able to really be there. I feel like for schools, one of the biggest reasons why video has gone down is because of the pandemic and because of masking and worries about properly worn masks and all of those things. And just that there's been a lot of other priorities for schools other than maybe putting together a video or, you know, sharing out on social media. Right. But the, we have Facebook live, which is uh, Facebook gives a lot of advantage yeah. yes. to broadcasting live. It's notifying your viewers that you're live. Um, it's obviously an unedited version of what's happening and it can be so powerful to reach out. Uh, in my most recent fire up your Facebook page challenge that I did with, with hundreds of school uh, communicators around the world, you know, one of them was, Hey, you're going live today. And it's, it was like, you don't have a choice. Like you've either, you've got to tell people what's for lunch today. You're going to interview a second grader. That's going to talk about what they're learning about in class. 
you're going to have a, a administrator kind of share, oh my gosh, we've got this upcoming concert. We're going to show the choir that is practicing for the concert and give them a sneak peek of what they can expect um, and kind of advertise. So it was kind of just throwing them into it. And although, you know, some had to breathe into a paper bag and was like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. They also realized that it wasn't so hard. And so I, I've always kind of recommended trying to do at least one video a week out there on social media so that you are inviting those, those fans, those followers, your community into what it's really like to go to school there. And, and there's just a different connection. Now, some people have been frustrated with some of the reach and, and, you know, Facebook has told us, hey, we're going to really get that reach out there. But in some cases, it's not as, as much as maybe we'd like. So I just want to encourage, don't get discouraged, but look for ways that you can give people a peek into your classrooms, into what's happening, because there are less people able to come into your classrooms and your buildings. And so we can really, I mean, everybody holds in their hand an awesome video tool, which is their cell phone. Um, and so we really don't have a barrier to entry in that realm. You know, there are a few things that you can use, tripods and, and microphones and things that can make it a little bit better. But really just authentic sharing of what's happening, I think could be key. And so if, if you could start a goal, if it's not once a week, if it's at least once a month that you're sharing some type of video into what's happening at your school, I think that'd be a great resolution. Yes. Well, I love that. And I totally hear you about the impact of the pandemic on both the ability and the willingness to take video when you're on campus. And there are definitely a few things that I experienced when I was working at a school last year that was open for in-person learning all year. There were definitely some workarounds that we had to find that I think depending on what the current regulations are and restrictions at your school and what's going on a little bit more broadly in the community, you know, you can, there are some things that you can do in terms of filling, filming children in masks and you know, if that's what's happening in your school right now, taking pictures and videos of, of children and adults in masks is perfectly appropriate because that captures a moment in time and what is actually happening at your school. And if there are some ways that you can shoot in larger spaces, this is where having a tripod could be helpful. If you need to get a distanced video of someone or capture a classroom activity, you can even try filming outside if the weather allows for that. That's another great workaround. So there are some things that you can do that allow you to still capture that content and tell that story, even during a really challenging time in schools. And I realize I actually misspoke. We have one more resolution left. Our final and very related resolution is to stop worrying about perfectly edited videos. So let's talk about that one. Yeah, I think in some cases we just think, oh my gosh, we need the B-roll. We need, you know, all of the perfect, like stating who people are on the bottom of the screen. And, and there is a place and a time for videos like that. I'm not saying that those aren't helpful, but just people relate to authentic videos. I mean, there's been people that have had studies of, you know, running a business, they'll put together a perfectly edit, edited video, but yet when they go live after a workout where they just talk about, you know, some concept that came to their mind, all of a sudden that's the one that drives the engagement because 
people relate to that and they, they understand that. So even as a school, sometimes we can think, okay, like every, every impression is an impression and we've got to be perfect. But in, in some cases it's just being real. And so using some of the tools again, that you have at your disposal with your, with your camera, with just a short, short little video in, interview with, with a child or, you know, with, with a staff member showcasing some clip of, of an activity um, that can really go a long way to be like, hey, these this school really wants to share and celebrate what's happening and it doesn't have to be perfect. So I just want you to be able, I mean, the best thing is to just start using it and trying it and you're gonna learn new things. You're gonna learn new tricks and, and it can slowly obviously improve, but it just doesn't have to be perfect. And so I just wanna make sure that people realize that. That's great. So we have a really solid list here of resolutions for marketers working in schools and folks who are working in social media day to day. And I I think one of the big themes that we can pull from from this is don't be afraid to give yourself a break. It's just really important, especially right now at a time when people are dealing with a lot of burnout and having many, many things that they're juggling and having more things added to their plates without having things taken away. So look for those opportunities to give yourself a break. And Andrea, thank you so much for this great conversation. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you or get in touch? Probably the best spot, check me out on Twitter at Andrea Gribble and uh, and then check out my uh, podcast, Mastering Social Media for Schools. That's kind of out there everywhere, but that would be that would be the best. You can check out my website as well. It's socialschool4, the number four, edu.com. So thanks so much for having me today. Perfect. This was a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye. 